Hey, Megan, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to The Six Sessions, the first of the new year. Six Sessions has given me the opportunity to chat with some amazing people in the growth space, mostly marketing, sales, and CX. They're designed for me to hang out with cool people on a Friday afternoon and not feel guilty about not doing real work. And today's guest is actually a client, so I feel even less guilty about hanging out. And the growth story today is amazing. She, sta um, she started with one of the world's best-known recruitment agencies as a 360 recruiter, and within two years was leading the global marketing team across five regions for a business with over 700 people. She's been involved with two mergers and acquisitions in the fi last five years, and she's currently looking to hire. If you want to understand how to run a geographically diverse marketing team, grow into a senior marketing role from the ground up, or want to understand how to successfully market um, a merger, today's guest is your go-to. Or at the very least, you'll be entertained for 30 minutes on a Friday afternoon. These chats are designed to be short and sweet, but hopefully full of insight. And it's definitely unfiltered, which makes it more fun. Although my son is off school sick today, so you may hear screams in the background. <laughs> Joining us from Houston, it's my pleasure to introduce you to Airswift's very own Megan Toops. Megan, welcome. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for the intro. Well, do you know what? So I was <laughs> I was super scared that I was going to stumble over my own words because this is the first time <laughs> back after, and I don't know about you, but the first first week back after New Year's, I find it uh, like difficult to actually think, let alone yeah, speak. Yeah, so. the struggle's been real getting back into the groove <laughs> after a couple weeks off. So to kick things off, how was 2021 for you? It was long. I'm glad it's <laughs> over. <laughs> I moved three times, um, so we're still getting settled. The walls may be a little blank, but, you know, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> it's, it's it's chic. I think it's one of those uh, like uh, minimalist, I think. Yeah, good. yeah, exactly. How was yours? It was it was good. It, I, it was long and I was definitely ready for a break. I think yeah. it was um, it was one of those years where it was amazing. Lots of good things happened from a, like a business perspective. But yeah. I think it was also still still struggling from the the kind of the overlay of like pandemic and right. dealing with working from home and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah. I'm glad it was over, but it was a good year. Yeah. Y'all are back in the office now, right? Yeah. Ish. ish um, yeah. So, we, we have, so um, I think the the official guidance from uh, the government is work from home if you can. Um, but we've taken the option to keep the, the office open for whoever wants to work there. Because for us, we, we took the decision that, yes, there are the obvious health um, uh, risks with COVID, but actually the mental health risks of like a lot of people are having to work from one bedroom flats and things like that so we wanted to make sure that people had the opportunity to go and work from the office if they want to there's only a handful of people who are using it but it's there if people want it cool what what about uh, for you guys what what's the deal in houston is it yeah it's the same a lot of people are doing a hybrid schedule um so that's been working well you feel like you get a better work-life balance have yeah. a couple of days at home a couple of days in the office to collaborate and see your team members. So that's been one good thing from the pandemic. So so what's your main business? What does AirSwift do? Obviously, I know you are a client and I'm not <laughs> like, this isn't me asking you right. now. I know. <laughs> but what, what does AirSwift do? So we're a workforce solutions company for um, the wider energy industry. So workforce solutions is a broad term, um, very marketing kind of term, but um, it's encompasses anything from talent acquisition, recruitment, all the way through to consulting. Um, so we cover everything in between um, and also provide global employment and mobility solutions, which has really spiked after the pandemic. A lot of um, companies can now hire talent anywhere since everyone is still working remote. Um, so we have a lot of business owners coming to us saying, 
I want to employ someone in a different country, a different region, but we don't understand how we need to set up the liabilities, the tax implications. And so we kind of guide them through that process and help them set up in country. Um, so it, we cover the, the whole workforce solutions umbrella. So that um, that like helping companies set up in new regions. So it's something that right. we looked at um, around the pandemic time as well. Um, and being, being frank, I didn't realize it was something you guys did until I was chatting to the team about it. Yeah. And it's actually, it's one of those solutions that makes a huge amount of sense. And I'm not just saying that trying to sell your services, but <laughs> it's one of those, so as, as an agency now, we are in, I think, five five countries or something like that with various team members. And it, it makes sense for us to be able to very quickly wind up a region um, or wind, roll out a region is probably the better way of saying it. Um, right. so that we, um, we don't have that kind of overlay headache of all the peripheral stuff around it. So I think I'm not surprised that that service is booming. Uh, yeah, and it's something that came organically for us because we're in 60 different locations around the world. So it's not like we're having to go through a partner in a lot of instances. We're already there. We're already set up. So we understand really how to do it because we've already done it. And what's your role at Airswift? I'm the global marketing director. Um, so there's a team of nine on the marketing team and um, we oversee all of the company's marketing activities. So that ranges from PR to website management, content creation, um, app, social media, advertising, a, a little bit of everything, which I like. Um, I get bored easily. So it's nice to have <laughs> different things to pick from each day to keep it, keep a variety. So, and you've got, is it five countries that your team spread across? I think so. Yeah. So we've got um, people in Malaysia and Rio de Janeiro and Houston. I'm the only one in Houston, weirdly. <laughs> and then um, four in Manchester and one in Perth. Um, so we're a little bit everywhere, um, which can make working together challenging due to the different time zones. But we do try and meet once a month. But that's 6 a.m. my time and then at 8 p.m. my boss's time since he's in Perth. But the UK has it the best. Y'all are like the central time zone. So it's really never inconvenient <laughs> time for the UK. I'll let I'll let Rob know that. Yeah, he knows. <laughs> and and what's the what's the makeup of the team? So you're working in loads of different kind of areas and services. What's the makeup of the team and how how does that kind of function together? So we have um, three content writers who are focused on specific verticals. Um, so we have one writing on technology, one writing on our global employment and mobility line, and one on power and renewables, um, which has been really helpful for us to have content in-house. Um, that's somewhat new for us over maybe the last two years, um, where before we had outsourced it all to, to agencies and freelancers. And we still do a combination of both, but to just have a consistent flow of content um, that's providing useful material for our target audience to read has been great. And then we have a head of digital marketing who oversees the content and the content writers and the strategy, promotional strategy, the website. Um, so everything that falls under that wide umbrella. Um, we have an in-house videographer, media specialist who helps turn that content into um, a medium that people want to consume. Um, so really short, snappy, engaging videos, um, which we're also very blessed to have in-house as well. Um, and then um, we have me in Houston, who kind of overseeing a little bit of everything. Um, and then, yeah, I think that's, that's broadly it. 
And so over the, the past five years, you've been involved in two mergers. Yeah. From a marketing perspective, how do you approach that? How do you hone in on sort of the differences and similarities between the brands and make it work? Yeah. So I, I feel really blessed to have done two in the last five years. I know a lot of people go through their whole career and don't ever do one. So this has been great experience. Um, the one five years ago was was um, a merging of equals, I would say. So we were two competitors. We were about the same size. We were in a lot of the same locations, but we decided to go with a different brand name. Um, so both legacy brands were pretty well known in the market. So we just decided we're going to start new. So that was a huge job. If you can imagine, you know, updating your logo, creating a new website, everything where your name or logo is on it, you have to update and change. Um, so that took significantly more time, um, but we just had it all planned out of we're going to do this by this date and set these milestones and set up new social media accounts and just really start all over and, and, and merge everything together. Um, why, and then Why make the decision to like move away and go full brand like new brand when because obviously there would have been some brand equity or like brand recognition in those so why why the right. shit we uh well fun, funny enough we had actually worked together in a joint venture i think it was 10 or 15 years prior and so the name that we worked on under that joint venture was what we chose to go with it was air swift so it was Swift Worldwide Resources and Air Energy, and we had worked together for um, a, a project with a client before under that name and decided that we would go with that name and take the best from both of our logos, take the best from each name. And just it really felt like that was the right thing to do to show that it was a, a true merge. Okay, sorry, I, I totally cut you off there. Oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> and then we merged again um, last year in June. So, um, and we decided to keep the AirSwift name this time around. Um, like you said, we had just kind of started over. And so we're still trying to build that brand equity from five years ago. So we didn't feel like changing this soon again would be the right thing to do. Um, so it's been a, a crazy couple of years. What's, what's the biggest learning that you brought out of bringing companies together like that from a marketing perspective? Um, well, the first time it was my first time to ever do that. And we had substantially more time. We had about six months to do that. And this last go around, we had about six weeks. So it was good. We had that playbook to go from. And then now we have it again if, if we do that again. Um, yeah. But I think it was just... Yeah, just making sure you hit all those milestones that you thought of everything. Have we migrated everything over? Have we, you know, so making sure you have a really solid plan, a really solid project management team to help you hold you accountable to deadlines um, is probably the most important takeaway. And how, like, what about the, the team dynamics? Like, how do you bring together different marketers, different salespeople, different operations? Yeah, yeah it can be sticky. Um, so, again, making sure you have good HR guidance, you know, um, the first time around, it was like I said, we were two basically equal size companies. So there was two of every role, essentially. You know, I had to re interview for my job and they had to decide who was going to take the role. You know, we worked side by side for a while and then. So it was, it was like that for a lot of functions. You're having to decide who takes the role or who moves into a different role or do people get let go or do they stay or do you find a new home for them? How do you manage it all? Um, so, yeah, that was probably, yeah, it was interesting. So, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> 
so you you didn't start in in marketing so you no. like, how, did, how did you get into growth like what, right. what made you jump from rec into growth yeah so i started in 2009 and there was an economic recession then as you probably remember and um, i was in a business development role which is really challenging when there's a no recession so i'm calling into companies saying you know can we help you hire are you looking for contractors and they're like i'm laying off half of my department no bye so I try to be really nice to salespeople when they call me now because I've been there and I get it. <laughs> but um, anyway, that that was um, difficult for probably a year, year and a half. And then the oil spill happened and we were majorly involved in that and helping um, helping staff that providing over 1500 contractors in a, just a period of a couple of months. So we went from having really not a need for a business development role anymore because then we had so much business, which was a great thing for the company, but maybe not such a great thing for my role at the time. Um, so luckily I had um, a boss then who said, hey, I think we should start a marketing department. Do you have any marketing experience? Do you want to join, do this with me? And I said, okay, yeah, let's do it. So we um, did it together and started um, from the ground up, really redid the website, redid our brochures, just set up a proper marketing strategy budget and put some structure around it where before our marketing really involved more client entertainment, I would say. So hosting, you know, parties or happy hours or um, events, um, but not a lot of thought behind, you know, structured marketing as, as you would traditionally think of it. You, are you glad you made the jump? I am. Yes, <laughs> I am. I, I, sales is it for me. I don't think business development, it's, it's not easy. Um, so I, I enjoy being in the marketing role that I'm in now, but I'm grateful that I started on that side because I understand how the business works and what we do and, you know, the, the target audience we're trying to go after, what content is helpful, what's not. So it's, it was good experience that I have taken with me in our marketing plans. Some of the best marketers that I know have come through like a, a sales background and I, I stand by it. I'm I think of all of these interviews that I've done I think only two people planned to go into marketing everybody <laughs> else has fallen into it through some other avenue yeah um, but I think the best marketers I know have an understanding of sales to a level where they can appreciate it and then adapt off the back of that right um, Yepi Yepi's got a, a good question so in a brand change like that so where where you dissolved the two brands and moved mm -hmm. into a single brand how long would you expect it to take to get back to the same kind of website traction that you had mm. across the two? Yeah, I mean, it took a couple of years, to be honest. Um, we redirected both of the sites. We we ran ads. We were producing content. And that's sort of when we started our SEO as well. So we were just sort of getting that off the ground, too, which organically can take a while um, to build that credibility and get that brand notoriety and recognition um, and to be found. So it did take a couple of years. Yeah, I, I guess as a, like whenever you do some sort of seismic site shift like that, there's always that heart and mouth moment of like, I think it's going to come back. Right. <laughs> but in place, I, I promise this is going to work. Which is right. But yeah, scary to see it drop off at first and then you just, yeah. you have to build it back and it does come back. So in your opinion, what's the most important growth play for companies at the moment? I think finding the right talent right now is really key um, and that you can have all these grandiose plans and strategies and vision of where you want to go. But if you don't have the right people in place to do it, 
you're not going to get there. Um, and I, I've, I've made that mistake before of hiring the wrong person. And it is, it's so detrimental. Um, so, um, I think that can be the right thing. And it's a challenge that a lot of companies are, are facing right now as we're, we're looking at the great resignation and people, you know, just reprioritizing what they want to do with a work-life balance. Um, so I think getting the right people on board um, is key and hiring people who, who are better than you. I know you, you've posted about that before. Um, and I agree. It's, it's so important. What's, what's your like tips to hiring people in the, like the marketing space? Like what, do you have any kind of set rules or do you have any magic questions that you ask? Like <laughs> what are, what are, what are the things that you look for when you hire somebody? Yeah. I, I think having the right resume is really just getting your foot in the door. Um, so I think too much time, too many times people can focus on your resume and spend so much time. And that is important, but that's really just kind of getting the interview. And then once we talk to people, I think it's assessing, are they going to be a culture fit? Um, you know, do they have the right drivers um, to, to be successful, to want to grow? Are they intrinsically motivated or extrinsically motivated? You know, um, are they better than you? Like I said, like, be self-aware of maybe where you have gaps in your career and it's okay. We all do have different strengths. Um, so hire to maybe your weakness, make sure you have it as a strength in someone else so that as a team, you're more well-balanced and you're stronger together. I love that. It's, um, I, and that, that point on the resume is just getting you through the door. So like, I'm, I am never the first point of contact in a, like, I'm not the one who goes through the resumes or looks at the applications. So I, I normally have an assumption by the time they get to me, that stuff has been kind of reviewed. Right. So, and I would much rather somebody talk me through their, their experiences and have a conversation around it. Because I think for me, one of the most important things that I look for, a, yeah, absolutely culture, but also the ability for me to have a conversation with that person and for them to be able to hold court and tell the story of their I was going to say upbringing them, but that's not what I mean, but like their progression through their career. So right. I very rarely look at the the CV other than a cursory kind of glance, which probably horrifies our <laughs> manager. So hopefully she's not listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and behavioral questions are always good too, you know, which I know you expect in an interview, but I think those help give some more color that you won't get by just asking about their experience. So tell me about a time when, this happened or how did you handle this or how would you go about this and you can just see how they think and i think that's important i've always wanted to uh have a go at one of the do you remember the, the it was quite famous like the google recruitment question so and i think one of them at one point was how many ping pong balls could you get on in a like boeing 747 and they, <laughs> they're not actually looking for the answer they're looking for how you would methodically start to um, right. go through that process so like are they inflated balls or have they been crushed like <laughs> like that kind of thing so yeah. Yeah, i always wanted to have a go at it but i never never quite got that that's a good one <laughs> we're gonna write that down for our next interview <laughs> um who do you follow in the growth space uh, growth space like how do you keep up to date with what's going on i really like marcus sheridan um he's the author of they ask you answer and yeah. i loved that book i read it last year and just think he has such a uh just he simplifies it right he makes it so easy just write and talk about what your clients want the answers to. They ask you answer. Um, so yeah. I just think that his posts and all of his content that he puts out is, is just simplifies the approach to marketing. If you're providing helpful content, your clients 
are going to find you and it helps them. They're going to work with you, you know? Yeah. It's um. so that book is very um, well read within like the agency space that we work in. So most agencies who work in like the HubSpot ecosystem yeah. will have engaged with that at some point. And it is, it is a, a great way to look at it, but when, so putting that into action, how do you understand what your clients are asking? Your prospects are asking. Yeah. So we, we look at, you know, SEO and the search terms and what are people searching for and then look at our site analytics as well. What are they spending time on? And then we just make sure we adapt that into our, the they ask you answer philosophy into our content strategy. So is this blog we're writing, does it solve a challenge that a client has? Does it speak, you know, to the way they want to hear it? Is it easy to understand? Is it, do we have a video summary? Is it broken down to where they can skip to the points they want? Um, so just taking it across every channel and same for case studies. Is it written from the perspective of the client? So are you saying we helped our client solve this challenge and look at us and look what we did? Or are you saying they had this pain point and we really helped the, you know, this is how it was addressed and how it solved a problem. They want to hear the the latter, not the former. So if you're just talking about your work and how great you did, they don't really care. <laughs> you need to put it into the perspective of I, how can another potential client visualize, oh, I have the same problem too, and they helped them solve it, and I want them to help me solve it too. How does sales and marketing work together at Swift? So we follow an inbound uh, marketing approach, which, you know, um, and HubSpot promotes and preaches as well. And so what we do is we provide inbound leads to the sales team. So our job as the marketing team is to write all this content, to put it out there, to increase the brand notoriety, and then get someone to the point of that form or downloading that piece of content or that webinar, and then um, sending that to sales. And so our sales team is on top of it. As soon as it comes in, they say, I've got it. And then it's, it's on to them from there. So it's a collaborative approach where um, they're getting inbound leads who have read con- helpful content. They're ready to engage with sales. They're, they're ready to buy. And then we work with sales on making sure we help close the loop. And so with, with that, uh, like the, the sales and marketing alignment there, do you use feedback from sales to help determine some of those questions as well? Yeah. Or if they're not qualified, yeah, then we can find out why or what happened or why did we, why did we lose or why did they go to someone else and, you know, how can we make this better? But I do feel like we, we've refined those questions down and generally people aren't getting through that aren't qualified. Um, It's few and far between where that wasn't the case in the, in the beginning, it did require some tweaking, some adjusting, but I feel like we're there now. Um, I've got another question from somebody on LinkedIn. Uh, I'd love to know your best tip or piece of advice for junior marketers excited to progress in their career. Oh, good one. (laughs) I guess it would depend on what avenue that they're particularly interested in. But um, if it's a certain area, then I would just say always keep learning. Um, Never stop learning. Keep researching. There's, you know, tons of trainings available on LinkedIn learning on HubSpot Academy just make sure you are taking the necessary steps to grow in that in that career path and specialize. I think that's um, find what you're really passionate about, specialize on it, and then low, 
grow and learn in that field. So, I, and I, I'd go down the same route, but I, before specializing, I would say like, try as much as you can to get involved across the board as much as you can so right. that you figure out what it is that you are interested in. Because if you go, if you start something and you say, I want to do content marketing, actually you might be really good at some of the peripheral stuff around content marketing that you kind of end right. up blinking to. But absolutely, once once you find the thing that you're passionate about, specialize because people look for those roles to come in and fill within their business. Right. Um, what's your biggest career fuck up? The one you <laughs> the most from? This is always my favorite question. <laughs> I mean, I touched on it earlier, but I think it's it's hiring the wrong people. I think there's not a certain, you know, instance or funny story I can tell you about probably what you're looking for, but it, it just would come down to that. I hired the wrong person. I was stressed maybe and needed to hire fast and just needed someone in and it ended up being the wrong thing. And then it's just so much more of a headache. Um, so that's happened a couple of times um, earlier in my career when, you know, I feel like I have a better handle on it now. Um, I really make sure we go through the interview process and that we talk to a lot of people. We go through multiple rounds of interviews. We talk about the questions we talked about, but having the right people is so key. And then once they're there, keeping them there, you don't want them to go. Um, so making sure that you're hiring people that are going to boost your, you know, complement your weaknesses, like I said, and then make sure that they're happy. So on my team, I try to, you know, I never take credit for anything that they do. I want to make sure they get the glory, that they're getting elevated, that everyone in the business is, knows they did that work and that they continue to feel valued and appreciated. It's a nice, nice approach. What excites you most about marketing and growth at the moment? Um, I like all the focus around sustainability and around, you know, I think that's come out of COVID-19 and, and it's part of the hiring trends that we're seeing as well, that people want to work for an environmentally conscious and friendly company. And that makes it um, a decision of whether they're going to go or stay or, do your values align with the company that you're working with or you want to work with? So I think there's um, some fun marketing angles from that, that, that we can do. What about other, are, are there any new like tactics or strategies that you're starting to play with? Um, not so much more, maybe some on the technology side. Um, so we're just looking to optimize a few, a few of the systems that we use um, to just further drive process efficiencies and customer experience. So more to come. Well, that segues beautifully into my last question. What are your plans for 2022 for you and for AirSwift? Yeah. Um, so we're going to be um, focusing on the technology industry. We already are, um, but that's a space we've been seeing rapid growth. So like I said, we have a, a content writer focused on technology and um, that's a skill set that's in, in high demand, um, filling those those roles. And then um, also the global employment and mobility, you know, service that we talked about as well, again, that we're seeing rapid growth there. So from the marketing side, we'll continue to help our sales teams by writing content for those markets and pieces. Um, we did a talent retention white paper um, last year as well. So I would encourage everyone to look at that on our website too, that has some of these strategies of how to attract and retain talent and how it's shifted over the last couple of years due to the pandemic. Um, so hopefully we'll, we'll do another white paper like that, perhaps focused on the technology side. 
how can people find that? Just Google Airswift Talent Retention Report or something like that? Yeah, yeah, it's on our website, Talent Retention. If you just search that in the bar, it should come up. Perfect. Good. Megan, thanks for being up for doing your six sessions with me. Um, if anybody wants to follow up with you, how do you want people to connect? LinkedIn is good. Megan Tubes yeah. on LinkedIn. Perfect. Yeah. Good. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Next week, we have HubSpot's John Dick joining us. So see you then. Megan, thank you again. It's been fun. Thanks, Rich. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye. Bye.